we have almost a second car like sitting in the trailer at all times just because once you learn how to lose you don't let that same mistake happen again it's time for class racing today the podcast for the nhra class racing fan Welcome back to another episode of Class Racing Today. ClassRacingToday.com, ClassRacingToday at gmail.com is the email. If you have any questions, comments, uh, or just want to send a nice note to say hi, welcome back to the show. We're continuing in this uh, this crazy world that we live in, 2021, where racing is off and it's on and it's who knows what's happening. Uh, Brian and Bobby, welcome back into the studio. Um, how's it going? It's going awesome. Sweet. What have you been up to, Bobby? Uh, you know, still in Jersey, so it can't be going that great. But <laughs> a little snow, not quite as cold today, and just want to get in a race car. It's really all I want to do. Have you sat in your car and made race car sounds yet? Vroom, vroom. Yeah, I cut a 005 light every time I sit in the car and make noises. Nice. I never go red. You know, we're not very far away from race season. Like, I kind of went into panic mode this week. My car is in a million pieces, and in about 30 days, I need to try to go test before class racer revival. Yeah, well, I'm already disappointed because my first race was supposed to be the ATCO Open, uh, third week of April, and then followed by the Divisional, Division One event, the week after. So it was looking decent for me, and ATCO uh, canceled, well, technically postponed both of them. To a later date, they said it was due to the COVID restrictions. However, not a good sign for our beloved Atco Raceway because it is. Uh, there are talks that the place is getting bought and going to close up. So, everybody, say a little prayer for Atco. That means uh, your schedule's freed up for Easter weekend. It is. Yes, I think. You know, if you really wanted to save some money, you could do like take care of a couple things at once. You should get married at the class race or revival. Oh, that's a great idea. Look at the money you would save. <laughs> Think about all the times I tell my fiance I'm wedding planning uh, and when I go back to Pennsylvania, you know, and I'm just working on my race car the whole time. I hope she doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> That would be awesome. I think we should do that. We'll pass the hat. Just think of the money you'll save. You can race. We could probably raise enough money to get you entered. Pay for some of your fuel there. You know, like, do the whole walk up to the starting line. You may now kiss the bride. You got to wait for the best reaction time. You know, wait for the tree to drop. <laughs> and then walk down the aisle. Every girl's happens dream. to be a quarter mile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take forever to get there. <laughs> <laughs> This is the long you have to play that dun, 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 on repeat for forty minutes. Yeah, don't prep the track too much, or the the what's, what's the train might get stuck on the bridal dress and the <laughs> slip in the water. Uh, what else do we have? We have the the Division Two event that was supposed to take place at South Georgia Motorsports Park. That one's been postponed till April twenty third and twenty fourth. So. Uh, I think that one was postponed to weather, though, so that's fine. As long as it was for weather and not for horrible governance and COVID restrictions. What's been up with the weather? Like, it's like normal winter here. He's well, well, but not, not if you talk to the people from uh, Minnesota. They're kind of freaking out because they they were, I don't know if I haven't 
less than the last day or two, but they're freaking out because, oh, the longest cold snap below zero for the longest days maybe ever uh, since, like, the 1800s or something. But it's literally, I mean, the end of February, and we, we've we had two weeks of cold weather. Right. Almost no snow, like, really. This normally happens in, like, October. We freeze and you yeah. get a foot of snow, and it just is miserable for months. Now we've had two weeks, and it's time to panic. <laughs> I don't get it. Well, how how much of it is panic because... The whole country is kind of cold right now, including Texas. Is has snow, frozen windmills. Texas Motorplex was under a sheet of ice. I saw on Facebook the other day. Crazy. Well, we all knew it was going to happen. Global cooling. You know, in the seventies, they were, that's what they were saying, so they were right. Apparently. Mm-hmm. Now we know how the dinosaurs felt. It's over. It's all over. But hey, we landed on Mars. Yeah, that's Matt a Damon landed there a while ago, didn't he? <laughs> what's the What's the weather like in good old North Carolina? Hey, is that, is that my? Well, I'm looking for the intro. I didn't get the intro yet. You know, well, like it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be like an answer a question then intro. I just made it up. On, I was on I was asked I was asked to stand by patiently while I was. Well, my red carpet was laid out for me, and apparently that wasn't going to happen. So. That's a slower well, reaction oh, time than Bobby's I, I, average light. Listen, yeah, that's a, I saw. That's cool. Well, I run two start. The other guy went red first, so <laughs> I just took my time. I, I took my time launching. Right now, it's it's miserable down here. It's raining like every day, but there's no snow. Um, I'm looking outside right now. It's just gloomy. But it's supposed to be like 60s next week, so looking forward to it. I will say you're safe on that delay. Because you know Bobby's used to having about a seven second head start with his slow forward, so you're all there. You right. go, there you go. That's funny. <laughs> I got nothing. I just you, know, you get you have a Ford. You exactly you have you have nothing. So it's like I'm making just... fun of a handicapped child right now. Like come on, <laughs> that's awful. <laughs> you guys drive Chevys. Like how how much easier can that get? Just pay somebody to build you a fast motor. All right. Anyways, that's before funny. I get myself into trouble, Mike Mike Posey. Pazzi, Pazzi, however anybody uh, wants to say it. But if he was in Italy right now, it'd be Pazzi. And yep. uh, he drives a GTK automatic, 83 Camaro. We don't know if he runs a legal hood or an illegal hood. And <laughs> maybe we'll ask him today. We'll, we'll get to that oh, later. Man, that's funny. Because <laughs> I don't know if anybody was aware, it's totally slipped by me uh, on, on um, classracer.com. It totally slipped. I don't even know if I saw it on NHRA Racer. I had to scroll to find it, but there was like a hood hood scoop ruling that came out in addition to that overstaging rule that none of us have really. Brian, did you figure out what the hell that was all about yet or not? Was that just going going through all the beams or was that like deep staging? Does anybody uh, know? I believe it's going through all the beams and then coming back. But that just goes to show how hard we were searching for things to talk about. Like We're not <laughs> quite there yet that. I don't know. Somebody's got to explain this GT hood rule because it—I don't quite get it or know why it matters. We're gonna, we're gonna go. We're gonna dive head first right into it, aren't we? Like, is there a well, hood somewhere I can not, bolt not like even, not twenty horse on? Hold on, wait before before the hood rule. I want to know this. Then it said for that for that overstaging. That meant all categories. Does that mean like if you have a super comp dragster, you're not allowed to do a burnout over the starting line anymore, or is that even possible? It would make things a lot go a lot faster. I know. I would love it. I mean. I, I mean, actually, those, those guys, <laughs> those guys run through pretty quickly though. Like, they're already doing a burnout before the first two are even on the track yet. They're pretty quick. Do you want to know how I to? Th- make... I have to give them credit for that. 
if they really wanted to speed the race up, let's just institute a time limit from when they call last call to the lanes, you know, stock to the lanes, pair for pairings. You have five minutes to get to the lanes. <laughs> like if you're not there, there's like a shot clock, and if you're not there within right. five minutes, it's automatic. You're done. Right. The gate. They have to have a chain up there, a caution tape, like turn around. They could literally run like they could have a 200 car quota on stock if you could just get people up there in five minutes after they. Oh, call. absolutely. People cutting each other off in the pits. Yep. How many fist fights there would be at the top of the lanes? I was here. It's gonna be like a roundy round race. There's gonna be people with hammers knocking carburetors <laughs> off and leaving donuts on the side. So that overstaging rule that happened to me in at an eighth mile race down here a couple of years ago. I'm in the semis and I'm I'm like rolling up and I'm staging my car and the guy next to me I'm not really paying attention. He's staging the car with his back tires. <laughs> and I don't think he realized this guy's a really good racer. I mean, he, I don't think he realized it. So the starter backs us both up and has us, has us like restage our cars again. And I'm wondering, looking back, like you kind of learn from your mistakes, whatever. Like, what if I put both my lights on? Would that have made him go red immediately? I don't know what would have happened. So the starter did the right job by backing us both up. But people are watching it on TV. They're like, why isn't that guy disqualified? I guess now there's a rule in place where that that guy's, hey, you're done. Like, you you don't know how to stage your car, or you did something wrong. You're disqualified. So. And yet another way to lose yeah, a I mean, race. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Dude, I'll tell you what, man. Oh, it's like a new another way. I've, we we found out numerous ways last year how to lose. We're trying, we're still we're still finding new ways. It seems like every year. How to get set home early. Uh, yeah. I did that in 2019. I invented three ways in one year. It's pretty crazy. Bobby, All first what, round, too. Bobby, what is what is the oh, not, maybe not the unique, you most unique way, but the most interesting way you've lost a race? I I, I was driving my be, doing some of my best driving at New Media in 2019. First round comes up and I launched the car and the seat, I was running the stock seats, the seat um the back of the seat like just went back so my foot came off the throttle for like a tenth of a second or something <laughs> boom that was it for that uh first round at atco that same year like a month later come out of the burnout my line lock won't release so I had to drive down the track with my line lock so that guy passed me at a thousand foot Jeez. and first round at maple grove got a flat tire front tire driving up to the lanes got it plugged just in time but could only get, had one of them little air guns, only got like 20 pounds of air in the front tire before we had to roll out there. And I had to go down the track, like holding the wheel to the right the whole way. <laughs> and that killed me like eight hundredths and lost that one. That was all three. They were all three months apart. First round, all three of them too. What about you, Brian? The car was running phenomenal. Uh, the was car was running phenomenal in qualifying. <laughs> it's still kind of painful, but it was uh, one of the last races I went to. Um, our our home track Thunder Valley here. I lost to him. I think in the first time we raced, I lost. He just flat out beat me. I think in the quarters of the semis. And then I believe the next time we met was I think in the quarters. And I thought I had it figured out. I think I beat him on the tree. He was a faster one of those new style Mustangs, you know. And I'm like, I got him. And I tapped the brakes, and his wind light come on. And I tripped the beams with my front bumper. Yeah. Got my ticket, and I'm like, 
how did I go 128 mile an hour <laughs> on the brake? <laughs> yeah, if I went to hit the brakes, I would have went dead on and had him covered. But oh, that's another. Th I wish that finish line beam was the same height as a starting line beam. I don't know why it's not. I wish that would have happened in like first round though. You know, it sucks later in the rounds like that. Like did everything perfect, had him beat, and then just beat myself, which I guess that was a very uh, very good lesson. And then I lost in the semifinals about two weeks later because the guy dropped me and I was afraid to hit the brakes because I didn't want to trip the beam again. <laughs> like It's like all of a sudden he dropped me, I'm at the, the cone, and I'm like, crap, there's nothing I can do. So I just took my defeat. Yeah. Well, you, like... Oh God, I I was hoping you would I really was I actually was hoping you would not ask me that question. So <laughs> I was trying to put the put the attention on you guys. So you, you did start it. <laughs> I did. You're right. You're right. So the I guess the most recent one was Atlanta last year, the divisional. Uh two rounds of qualifying went fine. First round. No, second second round of qualifying. I <laughs> I snap my anti-roll bar it broke off my rent and the car I don't know, third gen camaros even maybe fourth gens too they have a they roll like crazy if you don't have an anti-roll bar or airbag or something set up so especially on a stock suspension so tore up the tore up the quarter pretty good um i found a top sportsman guy to bring his tig welder over and welded it back up we put the car in the stacker and then first round first round Launch the car and my dumbass, like I thought it'd be it'd be cool to have a jiffy tight or like a like a quick quick disconnect for my carburetor. Thinking like, all right, man, you know, I'll try different carburetors. You know, I, I don't know who's gonna be here. I might put my quadrant on and run a different class or something like that. And wouldn't you know the freaking disconnect co comes off of the carburetor before I even get to second gear? Oh. Ellie, you have you have got to be kidding me. So the guy comes out with a four-wheel. I'm like, don't worry about it, man. I don't need it. We're not, I'm not broke. I'm just an idiot. And I just hook it back up. My brother and my mom are coming down with the, with the golf cart. I'm like, you guys, what's wrong with me? What's wrong? Nothing. I'm just going to tuck my tail between my legs and, and just tuck, put the car back on the trailer. So uh, then it was it. What was it? It was the end of the year. Rockingham. I'm in my brother's car because my car destroyed itself in Virginia last year. And um, I'm going around just as nice. Uh, third round. We're, we're go I go to crank the car up. Everything's running. The car won't start. I'm like, what the heck? Like, all the guys are in the staging lanes, and my guy's waiting for me. And they can, you can see the staging lanes from where we're parked. And we call, we call the, uh, we call Robbie's wife. I'm like, Rob, listen, Tabitha, we're, we're coming. Just give us a second. The accelerator pump on the carburetor came off the carburetor <laughs> between second round. And when I drove back to the pits, I, never in my life have I ever seen that happen. Like you got, like I'm, I'm just thinking, like, oh my god, this is a new way to lose. I never, I can't believe this is happening. So, I run in the, in the trailer and pull out my my spare carburetor for my car, and rob the the little lever off of it. And luckily, it was rubber, so I could like bend it and force it in, and and, and it worked fine. So just had to kind of get my bearings straight because we took the we took the the fuel lines off. We Brent like was had his head over the carburetor like is there fuel going to the carburetor like what the hell is going on like 
and I look at the carburetor, and like there's something missing. So we, we finally get it fixed. We get to the staging lanes where everything works, and uh, I'm not still lost. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. Like the, the, there was no chance I was winning that race, but um, yeah, I'm like I'm like ah, another way to lose. It happens. I mean. Doesn't that it you always like when you figure out a problem, you you pull the all nighter, which we've done before, like with the, with the super yep. stock. We've had the front of that motor off, you know, uh, Friday night. Had to change a timing belt. Um, this is when we were running the wet belt inside the motor. Like uh, all this stuff, we get we we get all this done and make it in time for first round. And you would just think like, you know what? Just be like in the movies. Like I want to. When I go up there and cut like an O10 light, go one over my dial, and the other guy is like double O five and dead on, and it was uh, that was an echo also, and I have bad luck at that place. I don't know why I'm so sad if it closes, but it was just <laughs> like, come on, like how did we pull that job off and and still do a decent driving job and just not just can't get the damn win? So we were at Aiken, South Carolina. Uh, a couple years ago for uh i think it was it was the eighth mile series i think it was and i'm i'm in the fourth round like i'm in like my worst light was like an all 20 all week i mean i'm i, I was just you you have those days where you just feel on you feel good and i'm thinking all right i got a, i got an all this is when i was running with an ihra ihra combination and uh I think I have an alternator. You know, I get back, I disconnect the battery, like everything's good. I'm not going to worry about nothing. They call us up, car won't start. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And I'm running like a, a lithium battery. I'm trying to save as much weight as possible. I'm like, I'm like, I don't have the right charger for this. My charger takes forever to charge. And they're waiting for us as long as possible. You know, that's the good thing about these racers. Like everyone, we all understand what all the other racers go through. So, like, all right, this guy's going through something. I'll give him a minute. We've all been there. After a while, I see my competitor go down the track. Here comes a red Camaro going on the track. I'm like, yep. And I told my parents, my brother, like, those guys don't talk to me for like 20 minutes. Just leave me alone. Let me just get my frustration out before anyone says nothing to me. Like, I learned my lesson. Now, believe me, we have spare carburetor parts. We always did. We have spare batteries. We have almost a second car, like, sitting in the trailer at all times just because – once you learn how to lose, you don't let that same mistake happen again. So we always carry a bunch of spares for like pretty much everything we could possibly carry a spare for. So here's a question for you. Have you ever taken off with your battery charger still attached? I personally have not. I'm not going to, I cannot confirm or deny that my brother has. Yeah, Brent, I said it. You should probably knock but on some I, wood. I caught, right. I caught it pretty quickly. I go, Brent, yo, stop, stop, stop. Your battery, you know, because we're, He's having a good day. He's hot lapping. And I like, Brent, stop, stop. I've seen it happen though. I've seen people do it. You don't, I, you just don't think about it. I made the mistake of laughing. Like what's wrong with that guy? Like, how do you not forget to do that? And I think it was probably like the next round I go to back up and it's like, oh! <laughs> cords flying through the air. I mean, you're, you're thinking about, all right, I got air in the tires. Uh, you know, I've got fuel in the fuel. Like you're thinking about all these different things and you just forget the one thing. Like, We've gone to the staging lanes with lug nuts coming off the tires because we forgot that we torque them. I torque my tires down when I get to the track every day, every race. And it's just like you're setting out, you're setting the cars up, you're setting your your pit up. Like you just forget to do one thing. And then you get to the staging lanes. I get a call. Hey man, I need I need to bring the torque wrench. I got you. Like 
it happens to me. I mean, just you, you forget something and you hope never forget that thing again next time, you know. The problem I run into is I probably, my pit guy is probably the biggest airhead slash moron <laughs> in the country. Like, I don't know where his head's at most of the time, but. Wait, does he sit in the driver's seat too? Yes, it's a one-man <laughs> show, and it's just a complete debacle. It's, like, it's tough, man, doing by yourself. There's, there's a lot to think about. You're like, all right, what am I going to dial? I try to pick it when I park my car. I'm like, all right, this is what I'm going to dial next round, and then I just don't worry about it anymore. Oh, God. Fresh fish. <laughs> Let's pick a number. That's, that, right? you, what That's number funny. do you like best? <laughs> That's funny. But hey. My, my thing is air the tire. I always forget to do that. I put the fuel in. One of those, fuel or air. Fortunately, I've never done the battery thing. Um, But I've gotten in the car, fired it up, and was like, oh, I never put any fuel in the car. Now, I've seen guys going around, and then they hook the battery up, and the battery wasn't actually plugged in. So they think they think the battery's charging up. I mean, all you gotta do is just, just hit the hit the cable with your foot by accident and you don't realize that you unhooked it. Next thing you know, you go, you turn the car on, like, why isn't my car running? I've been charging the car up and you look over and like, oh, the plug isn't plugged in. And that happens. That's easy to do. Yeah, I think the I'm a firm believer in keep it simple. Like I'm trying to have like the same routine every time. So I park the car, put fuel in right away. Put the battery charger yep. on. Figure out when I'm gonna dial, and then just wait. Like, but I'm, I'm probably the worst racer out there because I don't really check my air pressure. I check it when we get there. If something I have to make a change, I change it. But I think some people check their air so many times they'd actually have to add air because they are letting it out every time they check it. Yeah, that's me. I, I check it in the lanes. I check it at the top of the lanes. Check it at the bottom of the lanes. If there's like. A delay for five minutes. I get out of the car. I like check him again. It's you know it's a sealed system, right? Like you put air in, it can't come out on its own unless there's a hole. Oh, I've had holes. I've had <laughs> leaky valves, stems. I've had the sun hits it, it inflates it a lot. Yep. yep. But I guess when you have a Ford, you really got to work hard to make them work. <laughs> Bobby, you should just put a Chevy logo in the back just just to he can't just do to that because he get a horsepower just hit to, just to confuse everybody <laughs> he doesn't want to get hit by horsepower that's the nice thing about being slow that's true that's funny well, i know it speaking of slow um that's that's why i run k is i think i'm i'm one of the few guys with my combination and i'm one of the there's a reason for that because no one's dumb enough to run my combination when there's other car, other combinations in my class that are significantly faster. Um, I run a, the 327, I run a 300 horse, and I'm so slow. I actually got horsepower taken off the combination two years ago, and I didn't run the car enough to get, get horsepower taken off this past year. Um, I tried, but it wouldn't work. So... so that's a good point. Like, I thought you couldn't redo I thought once, or is that the combo never been hit with horsepower? Well, it's the been hit. So, it was my understanding that NHRA, when a new combination comes out, this is not including the Copos and all the, the factory cars because they're a whole different situation, but it's 85% of what the factory horsepower is. So, 85% of 300, I'm not a mathematician, but I think that's 285 horsepower. This is with the aluminum heads. The, the 300 horse with the cast iron heads has been out. That's, that's already been hit. 
So my combination hasn't been hit yet. So I was able to get horsepower taken off. 255. Which one? 255. 85% of 300 would be 255. Okay. So mine, so mine's at 285. Okay. That, that's, that's what I need to really put it at to start off with. Um, so now I got it down to 281. I got four horsepower taken off. And I'm, I, I don't hold. Like, I'm just not fast. Like I, my car is not, my engine is not set up for my car and my weight. It's just one of those things where you got to do, you got to work with what you have. And that's kind of what we had. And I'm trying to make it, make it work the best we can. Um, I, I'm going to try to get horsepower taken off again. And hopefully I can, the problem is if I drop down to L and M, the, the 250 horse 327s are right there and they're faster than me. So like, I, like, I can't go up because GTJ automatic is, is like where the, all the sharks hang out. I can't go there. So I'm kind of just hanging out in K, hopefully dodging all the heads up runs and stuff as, as I can. So yeah, J is pretty tough there. It's tough, man. It really is tough. That's uh, I've always thought about trying to go to super stock at like our combo races, but you've got spear running in J or, you know, even GT they'll run each car in one different, in the different class. And, so you were an LS1, right, Brian? Yes. So that would be the LS1 cars I know in the in the fourth gen styles. That's like an H car, right? H automatic. Um. So it would be all right. You can run H I or J in super stock. Okay. I think. How come? How come you could see Firebirds? With your combo running double A, but I don't ever see a lot of Camaros running double A. Well, they can't. There was something about how it was reported in HRA. The, the Firebirds can run double A, A, or B based off of how the shipping weight was reported, and the Camaros can only run A, B, or C. It's the same combination and same rating, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just there, the shipping weight was reported shipping differently weight. between the two. That's weird. Yeah, it screws me in stock, too. Shipping weight, hatchback. You know, and it's... It's funny though, like that's I kind of wanted to go to a Firebird just to try to go to that double A. I mean, fortunately, the unfortunately, the LS one's been battered more than abuse, most abuse shelter victims, but it's <laughs> just the way it is, you know. Like, yeah, double A, you're pretty safe up there. There's in my area, there's not a lot of them out there, but right, I'm just gonna practice it, trying to be a better driver and slowly peck away at a it should be. It's actually probably easier to make the car work and go fast because it has been pretty tricked out and the camaros as you know just work they're pretty nice race cars too right i'd yeah, have to go on a do want to run super stock you can uh do that at nationals where they only take like 50 or 60 cars you can i don't think you'll have to hide from too many people if you don't have enough grade points to get in stock yeah that's that's kind of what's that i mean even this year like with the races getting canceled i mean i hate to say it but I see. I heard Vegas is opening up to like fifty percent capacity, but I think everybody's gonna be searching for grade points. I, I think NHRA is gonna carry nineteens for another year. Just it's not looking super promising out there. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Florida. They should just run. You have like <laughs> what three or four states right down there in the bottom uh, southeast part of the country that are open. Have you run the whole season in what Texas and Florida and yep. Charlotte? You, you might be all right. North Carolina is that open and you know one hundred percent? I mean, what what do you what do you what do you constitute one hundred percent? 
No what masks. Do, do whatever you want. Oh no! We all wear masks. We all wear masks. Bars, nightclubs. Yeah, it's this was obviously we don't want to get political, but you have to wear a mask to walk into the restaurant to your seat, and you take your mask off when you get to your seat. You have to go to the bathroom. You got to wear a mask to the bathroom. I can't tell you how many times I've been to a restaurant or a bar and grill where the people hanging around the bar watching the football games and stuff. No, no, no one's wearing a mask, but you have to wear a mask from the bar to like leave, to leave the, the building. So, you know, I tell, I tell people at the track, like, listen, whatever we need to do, we just need to do it so we can keep racing. Like it's, it's not worth the aggravation. If you, if you're, if you're afraid of getting sick, just stay home. Um, if you're, if you're worried about catching something, just stay in your own pit and do your own thing, you know? Well, see here in Jersey, you can't sit at a bar. You have to, it's tables only. So really, the bartender comes around to your table and gets you a drink or makes the drink. And then a server brings it over to you and not allowed to, not allowed to sit at a bar. So, but same thing with the mask, put it on until you get inside. Now I'm near Atlantic city and the casinos were really strict. They yelled at my one friend. He was sipping his coffee. They told him to put his mask on in between sips. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> Are they gonna have the mask with the little straw hole so you can right? <laughs> it's like they do with the it's with the dia- marching band at college. It's a diaphragm where you can Wow. Somebody yeah, should come up with a mask you can drink through then. That's a bit excessive. I, I was in Casper, Wyoming two weeks ago and we had got in kind of late, so we we're trying to find a restaurant and there was a like a steakhouse available. So we went in there and they've got a whole, you know, you got to wear masks going in. You got, you know, the whole thing. Um, and they have like a hand sanitizer station at the waitress counter, you know, where you go to check in. And it says you must, you're required to use hand sanitizer to walk in and when you walk out. Of course, I didn't. Um, I, I didn't even wear a mask in there. I'm like, this is stupid because 10 feet away from me, everyone is sitting with nothing on. So you cannot tell me there's any scientific logic behind uh that 10 foot space in there so mike in your case uh what happens if you just don't wear one when you go into into the restaurant will they kick you out they won't they'll ask you to put a mask on and and this happened by accident one time um we were going to a a driving range it's like it's called drive shack and i walked in and i didn't have a mask on they go sir where's your mask i go oh crap i don't have one i go can you provide me one they go yeah here's one here's one you know here we have one for you. And that's what I ask. Two things. Number one, if I don't have one, you should be able to provide one. If, and if you're not wearing one, then I'm not going to wear one. <laughs> right. If I, if I walk in, there's a lot of businesses I walk into that makes you wear a mask and you walk in and no one, and there, it's an office space and no one's wearing a mask. Uh, then I'm not wearing one because I'm not sick. I get checked at work every day to make sure that I'm not, I'm not sick. It's one of our requirements because we're considered essential essential with what I do. So I haven't stopped working at all since this whole thing started. So I know we get tested every day. Um, but out of respect, you know, I'll, I'll put, I'll wear a mask if, if, if my, one of my customers ask me to, just out of respect. Well, and, and that's just something that we all should do. I mean, if, just right. to be aware of the people around us. I think the issue is yeah. when a, a government agency comes in and says, uh, you're not allowed to do this or you're like have to do this. Um, 
you know, it just, you can't wear, if you don't wear shoes and don't wear a shirt, you know, all over the, the world or the U.S., no shoes, no shirt, no service. That's kind of been yeah. a, a thing that we forget about. Um, Unless you're and, on the beach. Well, and so, you know, that's not a big, uh, it's not abnormal to have a dress code policy in place in, in business. But the private business, in my opinion, should be able to make that call. And if a private right. business wants to make that call, wonderful, let them. Yeah, I'm not, I'm never going to criticize someone for having a mask on. Like I'm never going to make fun of someone like that's that's 100% your decision. Absolutely. But just don't don't chastise me if I don't have one on at that very minute when I'm when I'm around you like just just don't stay next to me. Well, and you know? and thinking about the race world, uh you you three, um you know, all of the the scientific research really has shown that outdoors with air, wind around you is the safest place to be in, in all of this. So the question I have for you guys is, do I mean, is there a need to be, you're outside, it's windy, you guys, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on. You're probably getting more crap in your body from the exhaust coming out of these cars than anything around you. Um, is there a need, like, or is it just um, messaging? Is it just to look a certain way to have masking when you're outside at a racetrack? I think the problem is, is these, is the owner of a racetrack, if you want to stay open, you have to show that you're trying to follow the guidelines. I think that's, I was talking to a guy the other day and he said, like, if you watch the Daytona 500, like they were limited capacity, you had to wear a mask, but when they're panning around, like they almost didn't want to put anybody on camera that wasn't wearing a mask, but it's kind of like the restaurant. Like if you have to wear it to walk in the door and then when you're sitting 10 feet from somebody, like, how's that any difference? Like, if you really want to help with germs, stand outside the bathroom and put hand sanitizer. Because 99% of those people wearing their masks aren't washing their hands when they leave the bathroom. <laughs> well, and you think yeah. about if you're then taking your mask off, putting it back on constantly, and the whole concept of you have to take it down between sips of coffee and put it back on, you are actually contaminating that thing. It's now no longer useful. Yeah. Like, if you're going to make the mask actually do what it's supposed to do, you put it on properly and you do not touch it again. Because when you touch it, you got to throw it away and put a new one on. Well, that doesn't happen. So, I mean, it it seems when you look at it from from a bigger distance, it really feels um, silly. And and not to diminish that a properly worn mask won't help you. Because I'm I'm not going to say that it won't. But the way we're wearing them, I was in Starbucks in um, in Target uh, two nights ago in Oregon, and. Uh, I walked in the targets or the Starbucks is, I mean, as soon as you walk in the door, you turn left. And I was walking in there to get a, uh, a coffee. And what you do with coffee is you put it inside your mouth. So you have to have that transaction. So what I did, uh, I walked in there, didn't have a mask on, whatever. Um, and the lady behind the plexiglass shield wearing a plexiglass shield on her face, but no mask. So what she's wearing is a shield like this that allowed airflow all over. Um, she made me put a mask on to order. And I asked her, I said, how come you don't have to wear one? Be because, I mean, what she wore was a spit blocker. And that's fine. You know, I, I kind of want people that are making my food to have a spit blocker. That's not a bad idea. Um, but her th thing was, oh, the, my employer said that this is good. But you need to wear the face thingy that wraps around your whole face and it just seems so um silly 
the the way that it's being you know it, it'd be one thing to say everyone has to wear n95 and it's got to be worn properly always that's one thing but to say yep cover your face so i could technically put a piece of paper in front of my face and get the same result that she had um working there handling the food but we have conditioned society so much that if we have this thing we have to look a certain way. It has to look a certain way. doesn't matter if it's efficacious at all. It has to look a certain way. That's what I struggle with. And I think in the race world, when you're outside at a track, if all the whole point is you have to look like you have something on, well, man, that's advertising. Let's just capitalize on that and sell the snot out of that advertising. Well, if you fly, like I flew uh, in December. I don't remember what airline we even flew, Frontier or Allegiant. Like, I have, like, a silk, like, necky deal that I use for a mask. That was not... I walked through the whole airport, checked everything, got on the plane. They're like, as I'm getting on the plane, they're like, that doesn't work. That's not a mask. You have to really? wear this specific, like, surgeon-type, like, healthcare mask. And they handed me one. A little packet wow. that had two in there. I'm like, okay. Well, I'm pretty sure the silk one over my face that funnels everything into my neck is probably safer than the big gapping air holes on the other one. <laughs> but whatever, I did it just... Because that's that was a request. It's their plane. They I'll do what they want me to do. And then I flew a different airline to Phoenix a couple weeks ago. Yeah, silk was fine. You know, it's just like there's no real standard, and it should be kind of like you should be able to determine what your protocols are. But the whole thing is just crazy. I totally respect if somebody wants me to wear one, I'll wear one. I normally carry one with myself. I've had it. I think I've had it twice. Um fine i'll wear a mask for whatever you want me to do but i was at a basketball game and in our town it's if you want to wear a mask you wear a mask if you don't you don't well i watched this lady her kid was playing with his mask and it would fell it fell on the ground about three times and she was very adamant you need to put that up you need to pick that on you need to put it on you need to put it on i saw it it was completely black i don't think it'd been changed or washed like the inside of it was white and it was literally gray it looked like you literally scrubbed a car with it as dirty as it was and i thought how is that helping your kid? Like, at least if you're going to make them wear it, wash them or have multiples. Oh, I agree. Yeah. We That's should talk about racing. Marketing. Yeah. <laughs> hey, 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 Bo- hey, Bobby, ask me, ask me a racing question. I know, right? <clears throat> so what I did want to get into, and part of no, the reason why we have... get lost in the weeds with everything that's going on. It's... I know, right? It's just so easy. But if you want to talk, if you want to read all about that, just scroll your Facebook feed. And yeah, really. let's get back to racing. Mike runs Superstock GT, which, I mean, I feel like the majority of Superstock runs Superstock GT. So a few weeks back, this uh, hood rule clarification came out where they said that the OEM hood openings must retain all flappers, grills, hardware, as originally produced. So, okay, the full stock hood, including the latches, the hinges, the springs, the brackets, we already knew that. My question is, I don't run Superstock GT, so I don't know the ins and outs of it. But you can, though. I can, can, and I'm hoping to at, at the end of this broadcast. But <laughs> where does the body of the car stop and the motor, the engine combo of the car start? So if I have a, you know, a 69 Mustang Mach 1 with a shaker hood, I can obviously run that hood if I'm calling the car a 69 Mustang. If I am running that 69 Mustang body, Mach 1 body, you know, whatever, that came with a shaker hood, but I'm stuffing one of my 302 5-liter engines in there. I got to take that hood off of there and put 
a hood on that's similar to the hood that came on the 302 Mustang. Is that correct? No, no. So I did as much research as possible before I came on here and I'm trying to, I, I wanted to make sure I could articulate as good as I can, the rule. I made some phone calls and did, and did what I could to get some, get some homework done. I'll, I'm going to use my, my car for an example, and it might, might make things clear for your car, Bobby. Um, and even you too, Brian, because I know you can have numerous hoods on your car okay. as an LS. Um, so your car or your engine has to be a, it's what you call a fresh air engine. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll get into, I'll get into specific and what happened to me. It wasn't, it wasn't bad. It was a learning experience. So my hood is a fiberglass hood that came on my car in 1983. Hasn't been touched. It's, it, from bumper to bumper, nothing has been replaced in my car since 1983. My car came with a crossfire fuel injection engine, which no one runs. It's a dog. It's, it's better. You're better off making it a paperweight than a, than a race car engine. So the engine I have in now is out of a, I claim, 66 Corvette. In 1966, a Chevy Corvette did not have a hood scoop for my combination. There's no column induction hood like, like you see on a Camaro. No column, there's no fresh air, ram air system to get air into the engine. So, therefore, my engine cannot have any fresh air going into it. So, I can run my hood. I just can't have the hood flaps that are factory on the hood open. I can't have the direct air going in the carburetor. Okay. So on your car, Bobby, I don't, I had a Fox body too, which is the biggest, biggest mistake of my life, but I had a Fox body <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it came, it had an aftermarket hood on it, but I, I, it might come with a cowl hood. As long as it has a cowl hood, you can run a fresh air hood with it. So you could put that if, you could put a 302 in that Mach 1 and run a shaker hood on it as long as the 302 was, was a fresh air engine. Right, which it wasn't. So my so you, no so Fox you, body you comes to... with um, maybe the SVOs from 1985 or something. Do they have like the two things in the side? Like on the side uh, of the hood? Just one in the middle, like a, like the okay. shaker type. Um, so the, the 69, if I run the 69 428 Mach 1 shaker hood body, and I put the 302 engine in there that did not come with a hood like that. Did not, it was not a fresh air motor. I just have yep. to block off this, my Mach 1 hood. I can still run my Mach 1 hood. I just have to block off the hood scoop is what you're saying. I, I, I'd have to Google and see what, see what you're talking about. But you, you, you'd have to have a flat hood on it. You can't, have, you can't block things off. You'd have to just put a flat hood on it from what, what my understanding is. Okay. So – I'm trying to. I I, I want to say it as politically correct as possible because I don't. I don't have any ill will towards towards the tech official. I think he's a good guy. I talked to him before numerous times. I think the timing was bad, but this happened at Galat. Second qualifying pass. I'm on the scales, and he asked me, "He's like, what combination is that?" And I told him, "He's like, that's not a fresh air engine. You need to close your hood up." And I'm thinking, like, this is a really bad time to be telling me that. You got to tell me that either before the race. Or after the race, you and I can talk and like, hey, moving forward, you can't have the hood, you can't have your hood like this anymore. But I think I think the the intention was good, but the timing was was off. Needless to say, I didn't change my hood until the end of the year because I didn't see anything in the rule book. Um, and I will, you know, there's no reason to get into any anything political as far as why why that came up or whatever. But um, 
needless to say, I have two two extra hoods that I can be running this year. I have an, uh, there's another fiberglass hood that I have that the hood the flaps don't open, and I have a steel hood as well that. Hell, the steel hood might actually be better because I might have more carburetor clearance underneath. So who knows? It might actually be faster with that hood on it. Might be a little bit heavier, but who knows? Once the so, engine's done, I can so you start were asked some to testing you, and find out. You were asked to change the hood then. You weren't asked to block anything off on the hood. No, no one asked me to change the hood. They just said you can't, you just can't have the hood open. You can't have the flaps open. So the, See, the flaps gotta stay closed. The, the problem is the carburetor the flaps gotta stay closed, but the carburetor is literally right, right to the top of the hood. And I only have like a a one inch carb spacer on it, if that. So like there's not much room underneath the hood for for much going on underneath there. So you're you're at a disadvantage though, I would think. So let's think about the factory cars, the copos that have that huge cal hood mm -hmm. on them. If you take that motor and put it in like to the Gen 3 Camaro, yeah, or uh even a Gen 4, right? There's no way to get a hood like I don't. You can't get that copo hood on that. I don't car, know how. That, I don't know go, how you make that work. Yeah, you, you, you have to run modified, it. so you don't even need a hood. <laughs> we well, just run a hood scoop, and and which is that's a whole that's a whole different avenue we can go down another day. Like that's, I don't I don't want to get into that today because I don't want to piss anyone off. But um, well, we kind of did with Warner. I, <laughs> well, Warner. I mean, I Warner makes a lot of good points. I I actually went up to his to his trailer in new media and talk to him like, Hey, I like, I like what you were talking about with the, the hood scoops and the modified cars. And, you know, he, he made some really good points on his podcast as well. Uh, I don't know how someone could, can fit that, that Copo motor, that intake is freaking gigantic. It's super high. And those hoods and those Copos are, are pretty big, but I don't know. He might know something we don't know. And if he makes it work, that'd be great. It'd be a heck of a combo. Oh, GT. GT. I, I, I just, I mean, it would just, it just sounds dumb because I, I haven't thought it all out yet, but I would love to just get rid of those two letters, just make everything SS, and somehow find a way to factor, <laughs> somehow in a perfect world, find a way to factor everything fairly, and let's get some more heads-up rounds going. So Because there's just too much so, switching back and forth. Oh, today I'm super stock I-automatic. Tomorrow I'm GT m automatic or whatever the right. comparable class is so here's here's the argument the rebuttal to that i can't run natural super stock so i i my car never came with a 327 obviously so oh i i i've been trying to figure out how to how to talk about this um nhra and stock at least stock eliminator there has to be some kind of purity still like there's there's still purists left in in nhra and stock and super stock mainly stock that's why you don't have stock gt in all these different classes you have stock and you have factory stock and i think it's awesome that you see all these cars from the 60s and even earlier than that still running stock and they're beautiful they're beautiful cars and and it's you know, it'd be nice to have some IHRA, old IHRA combos come over, and I get it, and I was always an advocate for that, and I kind of still am, but it's nice to have AA through V, I think the taxi guy runs a V, and you have the factory cars, and that's it. There's no other new classes coming up. But then you have super stock where you have, it's, all, it's almost more classes than comp, and comp has a million classes. So to your point, or your a rebuttal to you, Bobby, is 
I'm going to use the 350 combination that that they run in J Automatic, the L98 combination, because it's just it's it's I think it's one of the, the one of the softest combinations in super stock, and it's one of the fastest too. Guys can't run super stock with that combination in like a Berlinetta style car without ground effects and without the without the right hood. But in your case, Bobby, if you want to put them both in the same class, super stock, it, you're, you're kind of going against what NHRA stood for is, hey, that car doesn't fit that class because that car didn't, doesn't, never came with that engine. Now you're going to let some 305 or V6 Camaro run super stock when that car never had that engine in it. And you're kind of, you're right. kind of, you're, you're kind of making the lines really gray, like a lot really blurred to where, okay, now we're, we're kind of losing the, the authenticity of what stock and super stock. It would, it would, well, the, the ratings would have to be so, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Not proprietary. They have to, they have to be so accurate that this motor in this car is rated at this, that very same motor in this car is rated at this. It's uh, this V8 in this front wheel drive car is rated higher than all of them because, I mean, to me, front wheel drive cars, they're bullshit to begin with, and I don't like them. <laughs> but I'm glad, I'm glad you said it. I mean, let's be honest. Like, I, I would, if I had the money, I'd buy one tomorrow. Yeah. I buy a Cobalt. I buy a Cobalt, cobalt or G8 tomorrow, and my car would be so much faster at 2,800 pounds. <laughs> I'd be a mid nine second car instead of a mid 10 second car. That's what the car, that's what the engine belongs in. It belongs in one of those kind of cars. But my gripe is some of these cars, they look like a comp eliminator car. They got two carburetors on it. I can't even distinguish that engine from a, a car that came off the factory showroom. I mean, they're beautiful cars and they're, and I think they're awesome to watch and they're awesome to listen to, but it's just like, why, why do those, some of those guys get rules set for them? Like Warner said, like, I can't run a rack and pinion in my third gen, even though it's safer. There's no advantage. It's just safer. But those guys can run one. You know, I, I get that. Right. And that's why I'm glad they did come up with different ratings for front wheel drive conversions. Oh, they had, they had over to. the last couple of years. Yeah. yeah. I think at the end of the day, though, you just, you got to make it easier for NHRA. Like, that's the problem. If you had, so say they're all running super stock and you have two different indexes for two different motors in the same car, like, it just, it muddies the water too much. Like nobody, they have a hard enough time regulating everything now. Like it doesn't need to get more complicated. I, I think that's why they got rid of the shipping weight. Maybe that's one of the reasons because now they don't have to worry about, Hey, does your car fit this class? When you know, what's the shipping weight from the factory? They don't, they don't worry about that anymore. So now you can run GT anything you want, as long as the car works and, and you're at the right weight. There's no more being 200 pounds plus or minus shipping weight. Makes things a lot easier. Yeah, that was another one that I had to have explained to me. Yep. Ten times. <laughs> like I, I actually had I literally had the the screenshot of my car's shipping weight with my combination screenshotted in case that was ever a question. And then now it's like, okay, now I don't have to worry about it anymore. I wish it would say on the qualifying sheet though for all the GT cars, what it just says like for you, it'll just say nineteen eighty three Camaro. We'll say three twenty seven. Um, yeah, I, I would love for it to say the cubic inches and the year. The 1966. Oh, uh, right, right. 327. Like, yep. just to, I don't know, I, I, out of curiosity for for educational purposes and just to 
bring a little bit more uh, accuracy to it and, and rigidity uh, just to make sure, okay, that's, that's what he's running. And if he claims something totally different tomorrow or the next day, then there's a problem. See, and I, I do that. Like I'm, I'm a huge student of, of the sport or hobby or activity, however you want to call it. And I'm still relatively new. Like my feet are just getting wet. I've only been running super stock for almost maybe two years. So I'll walk around the pits and I'm like, Hey, what, what combination is this out of? Like, I'm not questioning the legitimacy of it. I just want to know like 305 injected, what car was, what car did that come out of? I'm just curious. Like I'll, I'll look at the sticker. I'm like, what's that rated at? Just cause I want to learn. Like I, yeah. Like there's other cars that can fit my class. Okay. What, what's, what engine, what, what car did that come out of? Oh, it came out of a, an 80 Chevy 350 dish piston. Okay. What, what car? Some people don't even know. They just know that that's the combination. That's what it's rated at. Yeah. Let's build it. You know? Right. Cause that's all it says in the guide. And that's that it. would be great if it was on the stickers on the weight sticker, you know, right. It just says, I mean, mine's 289, 210, 207. And you know, don't you want to know what year that, what, what car that what? I guess you don't even have to say the car, at least the year would be right. nice. I want to go down. Cool. I want to back up and go down that road. Like what brought you to racing? Tell us like, what, who are you? Where are you? Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? What are you? <laughs> who, what, what do I represent? Who am I? That's from that, from that movie. What with Robert De Niro. So, um, let's see. I, I can't remember the exact, exact moment or exact day, but my father, my father always had first gen Camaros. He's always had them. I mean, none, none of them were like really showroom, but he's always had a bunch of them. And one of them just kind of stuck around. And it's been, a, it's been a race car since 1970. I mean, we, that's the car that I was running last year. Well, that my brother, me and my brother kind of resurrected. Um, my dad had a 396, three and a quarter horse. It was like super, super slow, but it was a great car to start off on, start off in and took it to Empire. I don't know if, have you guys ever been to Empire up in, up in New York, Leicester? No. You've heard of it? Okay. Uh, I've, I've never been there. Mm -mm. Okay. It's a great track. Um, we were about 45 minutes away from it when we lived up in New York and we just went there and tried it out. I was awful. I mean, I, I, I cut like a 499 light and then I'd cut like a, which, which was 1000 from perfect. This is when 500 was perfect. Yeah. 498, 499, 499. So a, so a 001 red. <laughs> and nine and then first round, first elimination pass, I cut 700 something. It was just, I was just awful at drag racing. I mean, I'm not, I can't say I'm super, super improved, but, um, so one thing my father would never let me do, he would never let me buy back. Even if I had the money, he would never let me buy back at a bracket race. And we always bracket raced a class car. Just, I don't know why it's something my dad wanted to do, but that's kind of where I started. And then Brent got into it. And that's the car I'm driving now is a car he learned to race on. And then for like 15 years, we didn't touch a race car. We we're playing high school sports. We went to college and played football out and did that for a while. And I played after, after college. And then it's like, all right, now we got to find something to do. Let's, let's try to resurrect some of these cars and see what we can do. Cause we went to the four wides and watched, walked around, talked to people, learned what, what combinations are what, and who, you know, who does what and who builds engines. Cause we don't, we didn't know anyone in North Carolina and, uh, and we just kind of just slowly started started building things and we and we built something. It would be super slow. Find someone to talk to, kind of stick with them. 
learn from there. And just, it's funny how just the, the snowball keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And now, you know, Brent runs double A, his car is getting faster and faster every year. I'm just trying to keep my stuff together. You know, I'm crossing the traps at 9,000. It's like, oh my God, please, nothing come out of the oil plant. Please, nothing, just please, nothing <laughs> break. <know> feeling. <laughs> thank, thank God at Virginia, when my car broke, it was, I didn't, I didn't get in second gear yet. Bobby, when, uh, Bobby you don't came, know the feeling. You're saying that at like 4,000 RPM. Right? <laughs> he launches. I'm, he launches at, I'm at 9,000 RPM by the, by the, in the burnout, so, or in the uh, launch. So. I hope, Jesus. So, yeah, with a small tire, I mean, I can't, I can't launch at a high RPM. So I got a, and I have my car has zero torque in the engine whatsoever. So that's kind of a big disadvantage. Like I need the car needs to be back half. That's, that's in the works. We're working on it. Uh, hopefully next year, if, if the money's right. So your dad, did your dad if, class race or he was just a bracket My racer? dad, oh God, listen, if you have an hour and a half to kill at a racetrack, go talk to my father. I know, I know he's going to hear this too. I'm going to catch, catch hell for it. He'll explain, he'll talk to you about running modified eliminate or modified production set in the record and he'll just i mean it's a, it's a pretty cool story in a chevelle that i think bruce larson owns it now but he had a chevelle that was pretty quick back in the day four speed i think it was a four speed and then once like i said once we were done playing playing high school sports and stuff like that we kind of had the had the funds my brother and i had the funds to kind of do our own thing and my dad was kind of a kind of just kind of guided us in the right direction told us what to do and luckily he had all the parts laying around so we didn't have to go out and find a lot of stuff so we got to use a lot of a lot of old parts and put them back to use again yeah i gotta find him are you guys gonna come up to the class racer nationals again and new media do what i'm sorry you got, are you gonna come off. up are you gonna come up to the class racer nationals? oh absolutely do that that race that race was probably the best race of the year. I mean, we didn't, we, I raced a ton last year here in North Carolina. Um, that race, Ken Mealy, I say Mealy, right? Ken Mealy. Mealy, yeah. Okay. I always thought it was something different. I I, that's what I say. I hope that's right. <laughs> I think it's right. I mean, from when I, when I met him, that was the best race I've been to all year. The way he ran that race, and I know, I think Fletcher had something to do with it too. Big Timbo did. Mm-hmm. Those guys in Beyondo, those guys, ran that race so well um have you, do you know i i was i didn't want to get into this but do you know the the different ways to actually get to that racetrack because you come from you come from the north right no i come from the south bobby i'm i you come from, from the south okay near philadelphia so okay so we to go up so you go to the left or the right of the, of the track go, when you go up i go up and then i go left so i come down like i, I okay okay i stay on okay. highway as long as i can because my i can't get up those hills ah so. see <laughs> God. so you might have heard the story we were the wait were you the trailer that jackknifed that actually did not do that so uh, oh god no no so the town the whole town had traffic coming through so i had to turn around because you a big rig a big rig went down a small street and tried to I make heard a turn. about that I heard about that. That was not us. Okay. So luckily, so uh, we left about no six seven o'clock North Carolina. It took us about eight hours to get up there, and like three hours or so before you get to New Media, you can go left on fifteen or you can go right to eighty one. And the guy we were driving behind, following him, he went right. So the, the way you go is the way we were going to go. 
So I had the phone out. I'm like, Brent, it's like two o'clock in the morning. Ken is there waiting for us at the gate. We're like 20 minutes away from the track. If you go the way you're not supposed to go. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So my brother's rig, my brother's rig is roughly 85 feet long. Jeez. Okay. He has a stacker, two cars. I'm like, all right, Brent, let's, we, we don't know anything. This is our first time doing this. So I go, Brent, listen, you got like two or three tight turns in the town, but it's two o'clock in the morning. No one's going to be up. The whole road is yours. Just do what you got to do. Okay. There's no, there's no terrain on, on these phones, these phones. <laughs> there's no, like, there's no hill terrain. So like, yeah. So, all right, we're good. So it's two o'clock in the morning. I go, Ken, hey, we're about 20 minutes away. And we go over a hill and Brent's like, kind of like, oh crap, this is why no one told us to go this way. Next thing I know, like we're going up a hill, it's raining outside and Brent's speedometer is at like five miles an hour and his foot's in the floor. And I can see the water temperature gauge like climbing by the second. I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm just thinking like, I'm thinking of, Okay, what are we gonna do if we don't make it up the hill? Like, I'm trying to think of like ways. Do we, do we unload the cars? Like, can I drive the car three miles to the track? Like, can 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 we block <laughs> the trailer off and just <laughs> two in the morning? Like, no, I mean, there, there's all forest and hills. Like, no, no one's gonna hear us. So, like, all right, we get to the top of the hill. I'm like, sweet. Okay, we take a deep breath. We're good. Nope, it's straight down. Like, damn, it's like a freaking roller coaster. Yeah. So, like, all right, we're good. Next thing I know. It was, it's sort of, it was like a freaking movie. We get, to, we get to the bottom of this hill, and it's a four-way stop. And anyone that, that's been to this track knows what I'm talking about. There's a four-way stop, and there's four traffic lights, or there's four lights. And all you see is like 20 feet of road, and there's nothing else. All you see is just like, it's like an abyss. You just don't see anything else. And we don't know how high this hill is. We don't know where it's going. And Brent's like, what, what are we supposed to do right now? It's raining. I can't back up. We can't K-turn this thing. <laughs> like, listen, just back up as far as you can and get a head start. And he floors it. And I, I, I swear to God, I really didn't think we were going to make it. Like, this thing has 1,400 foot-pounds of torque, and I think we used every freaking foot of it. Oh, my God. And uh, next, and the half, we're halfway up, and we think, you got to take a sharp right turn. I'm like, <laughs> you just hear Brent like, oh, shit. Like, what are we supposed to <laughs> Yes. So, so we're, we finally get to the racetrack. Ken is sitting there. It's like two thirty, two forty five. He's there waiting for us, which is awesome. Brent's shaking. Like, we're just like, Brent, just get this thing parked and let's just take it, let's take a deep breath and we'll just, we'll talk about it in the morning. Let's just get this thing situated and get through the gate, which is what by itself wasn't easy. Cause you know, you, you know, there's that one little gate and there's not much turning radius. Yeah. So, <laughs> Oh my goodness. The place is tough. That that's tough. Such Very a tough. great place. Such a uh, love the of, owner, the, the family that nowhere. owns it. Just wish they could just pick up and just move down to I know. Maple Grove Raceway. So when we left, we took a right instead of left out of the track and it was significantly easier. Mm-hmm. And people would just laugh. They were laughing at us. They knew exactly Oh yeah. What we did, and they were laughing. That was kind of our hey, welcome to Division One kind of deal. Like, hey, we're the idiots that came up here from Division Two, and <laughs> we kind of took it on the chin. And then, then I broke my transmission first first race, took it out, and put a stocker transmission in that actually went faster in uh, on Sunday. And I don't know it was overall. I think it was a great weekend. I can't wait to go up there again and do it again. I think it's, I think it was well done. 
I wish I wish I knew you guys then. I would have came over and said hi to you guys. I didn't know that you were there, Bobby. Well, that's the day I met. Um, well, Brian called me, so I met him over the phone, and that's when we said, you know, he talked me into doing a podcast. So that's where it kind of started. What about that race? What about the class race revival? Do you plan? So, on Bobby, are you going to make your way out to the media? Yeah, I'm going to go to that. Um, uh, I don't know which car I'm bringing yet, though. But are you uh, first world problems? <laughs> are you going to go to uh, the class racing revival? No, and- I won't. I won't. I won't make it to the one in St. Louis, and my car won't be ready to go till to the South Georgia one. I'm not going to be ready to go. I'm still waiting for stuff to show up. Yeah, that's going to be uh, that's going to be interesting to see how that that all plays out. Uh, shipping right now is kind of a mess for everyone and getting things ready, but yeah, it's it's going to be pretty cool. It should be fun. Hey, both like of your guys are filling up. So, are both of your guys' cars ready to go? No, mine's. Oh, no, Brian! Oh, Brian! You're always working on something, aren't you? Yeah, it's uh, it's all tore apart, all new stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm hoping to go. I think to, I think we can race in Kansas. I think there's some testing days in March, so I've got got about three, two, three weeks. I got to get everything back together, and it'll be a whole new ball game. So we just gotta. Hopefully, I'm not testing in St. Louis, but I just want to race. So I don't really care. How far do you live in Kansas? Uh, depends what part. I think. Uh, Craig, how far is Kansas City? Oh, is it ten hours, eight hours, something like that? Is that is it Tennessee, Missouri, or Kansas City, Missouri, or Kansas City, Kansas? Yes, two of them. It's Missouri, right? <laughs> it's the east side, yes. <laughs> I, I went. I went to college in Kansas. Oh, really? Yeah, I went to Kansas Wesleyan, out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, literally the armpit of America. Like it was middle of nowhere. Oh, I'm sure they love you saying that. They, they're <laughs> not. No, no one. No one out there knew anything about drag racing. We're good. I think we're safe. We're safe. <laughs> <laughs> so you weren't a Kansas Jayhawk, darn. No, no. But I'll tell you what, man. Basketball is like religion in Kansas. When is it? when when K, it's KU. By the way, it's not UK. I learned that the hard way. That's UK Kentucky. Is, Kentucky. Yeah. K when KU and K State play, like every everyone has it on, no matter what you're doing. Where did you go to college for? Football. <laughs> he didn't go to class. <laughs> I did. I did. I mean, my body was there. I can't tell you. My <laughs> mind was there. No, I went for a uh, social welfare, criminal justice. I was going to be a social worker, but the college I ended up graduating from dropped the program. I couldn't get my master's. I wasn't going to pay for my master's. That was ridiculous. So, um, yeah, more, more in the human services realm kind of deal. Is that what you do now? No, I'm, I'm actually a sales, sales and service rep for an environmental company. I'm still helping people, but just in d- different ways, I guess. So football and chicks, basically, is what it came down to. No, well, you're going. That's that's a that's a weed. I don't feel like really pulling up right now, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was mainly football. It was mainly football. Let's just say that. I was lucky Excellent. I didn't have I didn't have to worry about any, any other riffraff. So, I see a jet hot flag back there. Is that a? Are they paying contingency this year or what? I'm trying to get them to man. I'm trying to. They're uh, they take care of me, and my brother. They help us out. Um, they used to sponsor this awesome uh, breakfast brunch at the Nationals in Maple Grove back in like the late oh, really? 90s on Friday. Yeah, if you, you know, if my dad would let me take off of school on that Friday, you could go up, and they had this big tent. It was awesome, and they'd always have dry. John Force was they were sponsoring him. Uh, 
at the time and he was signing autographs and whatnot. But they used to be right down the street from me in Bridgeport, Pennsylvania. And then I guess they, they moved out down to North Carolina. They're in Burlington and Oklahoma. Okay. So I remember, I remember when I was young, before even before even really got, got into it. And I just started out and I was watching TV with my father. I'm like, Dad, can, can we can we uh can we get our headers jet hot jet hot coated? This is when we live in New York. He's like, no, we don't. We, that's you know, we were we were so tight budget. It wasn't even funny. Because I saw Force, you know, he was advertising it. Like I thought, I thought that was really cool. This is before stainless headers. Like I thought it was really cool to have your headers coated. And now, you know, fast forward 20 years or so, 15 years or so, it's like now now we get to be a part of what we couldn't do a long time ago. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, that is awesome. That's cool. And and speaking of contingency, real quick, just want to say, um, I don't know if anybody heard, but Wright Trailers, they uh, are going to do like the, if anybody remembers the Perfectly Strange um, award, if you run right on your number, uh, I believe you get like a thousand bucks from them. Uh, Wright Trailers partners with NHRA and it's starting at the Gainesville race. So right on the number program, plans to award a $1,000 cash prize to any sportsman racer or split between racers who run their index or dial in during a winning round of competition during an NHRA national event. So that's cool because that perfectly strange award used to be really cool. And then strange kind of backed out from that for years. And now we have finally something to replace it. Something that anybody can win. Like you can what, just what does PC do? Head. What's that? Doesn't P, doesn't PC do something like that too? Like PC Richard, like uh, they do um, something at the divisional and uh, division one races. I don't know if they do it for all the other divisions. Okay. Um, yeah. They, they, they were doing something right on the money award, I guess at a divisional or at a national open. Gotcha. So, gotcha. Uh, I believe it was gift certificates that they would give, okay. but that's, that's cool. Anybody that steps up, anybody that pays contingency, I want to, I want to get these companies noticed. I want them to make sure they're getting a return on their investment. So, uh, you know, I right. try my best. Maybe we'll start putting random Facebook posts out there to highlight these companies um, just as a thank you. My uh, my marketing, marketing manager here said that if you guys call or someone calls for they want something done, that they're going to give 10% off the top of whatever, whatever the price is. If you, if you, if you give, give us a call here and you want something done for your – they do headers, intakes. I mean, they do powder coating. They do, they do a bunch of stuff. All right. So we'll put that anybody that's listening to this episode. So anybody that's listening to the episode, they can just mention that they heard this episode and called Jet Hot yep. and they'll get a 10% off. Oh, ask, ask for Ashley. Ashley's brother actually runs Superstock as well. He's really, really good. So she knows she knows quite a bit about what what racers need and stuff like that. Excellent. All right. Well, we'll put that out there. Yeah. Ask for Ashley. Do you have a phone number for Jet Hot? Off the top of my head, I I do not. Um, All right. Well, the, the website. Yeah, the website. You, you have to do you have to do a quote online, anyways. So okay. Or you have to do a whatever. All right. Well, we'll get that number from you, and we'll put it out there. So that's really cool, Jet Hot. Thank you very much, okay. and thank you, Mike, for putting in that word for us. So well, it's been great having you come on. Thanks for educating us on all this GT nonsense <laughs> i don't want i'm not i'm not an expert at all i'm 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 learning by the mistakes i make that's how i learn that's how i know like i ask a lot of questions and i try to be 
continuously like trying to be a student of the game kind of deal. So I don't, I don't know nearly as much as, I, as people think I might know. Well, you know more than myself. And <laughs> if you know more than, uh, you know, if me you, and Brian, if you know then, more than then, me, you're then we're winning. learning stuff. <laughs> so uh, Brian, also, you, you... to get deeper into the GT rules, we're, you know, uh, we're going to get Don Kennedy on here. One of these, one of these times. And he, actually helped write the rules for GT. So I'm sure he's a wealth of knowledge also. So oh gosh. Really... Yeah. Don, I've called Don numerous times asking him questions about stuff and legitimacies and what's, 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 what can you do? What can't you do? And stuff like that. But, but Brian, you run running fuel injection, man. That's like, that's literally learning the whole different language. So I give you guys a lot of credit for knowing how to do that stuff. That's just like, to me, that's very intimidating trying to go fuel injection like that. Yeah. It's, I don't know anything different. So it hasn't, <laughs> You gotta learn. Gotta learn. It's all new. All I all I know is a carburetor, like Justin Lamb said, carburetors are closed loop. You can change jetting and keep it closed loop, and it's super super simple. Yeah, you really have to be impressed by the guy that designed that. Like that's that's rocket science. That's voodoo magic right there in a box. Right. <laughs> that and the automatic transmission. <laughs> there you go. And on that note, <laughs> I appreciate your time. It was fun having you on, Mike. And we'll uh, yeah, man, that's cool. We'll look forward to it. hopefully meeting you someday at a racetrack and telling more stories there's plenty yep. of them and we got to speak to your dad about his modified days oh god modified. just just make sure you have at least an hour <laughs> that you don't have to do anything else in your life and <laughs> i'm just telling you i'm just preparing you for what can happen <laughs> excellent well thanks for coming on craig take us away this is class racing today thanks so much mike for taking the time thanks jet hot uh for extending a little discount out to the listeners of this podcast um classracingtoday.com is the website uh get involved on the facebook forum uh there's a lot of uh interactivity going on out there uh don't miss it if you want to help sponsor this show produce it uh send us an email class racer class racing today at gmail.com and we can get you more information about that thanks so much for listening have a wonderful day be safe and i'll see you out on track